the 2000 chart show. The 2000 chart show. Hello, is that working? Good. Hello, welcome to the 2000s chart show, the podcast where every week we are celebrating the music of the 2001 UK top 40 singles chart at a time. I am Samuel Spencer and I am back after a week's break. If any of you follow us on our Twitter at 2000 chart show, you will know that I was on holiday and so the podcast took a holiday. I was intending to do an episode while I was on holiday, but I was sitting in a hot tub somewhere in the Yorkshire Dales looking at the songs that were featuring in that week and I just thought to myself I cannot take hours out of my much needed holiday to talk about Funeral for a Friend, Obi Trice and Blazing Squad. I just won't do it. It was actually perfect timing for my holiday because it was one of the least inspiring chart weeks that we've seen so far. So much so in fact that of the nine new entries last week, eight of them have dropped out of the top 40 this week. So we will be talking about one of the songs from last week this week but first for you chart completists out there here are the songs that we didn't talk about last week and a brief snippet of all of them at 40 Benny Bonassi presents the biz with no matter what you do no matter what you do prime example of the dance music thing we've been talking about where you have an amazingly successful song and then for your second song you just copy it and it does less well of course Benny Benassi got to number two with satisfaction but just managing one week at the bottom of the top 40 with no matter what you do at 38 last week we had Simple Kid with Track On feeling so bad it's a chemical thing everyone says you should appeal an Irish singer-songwriter who now teaches music at a secondary school. So somewhere out there, people are being taught on those digital keyboards where you just press the button and says DJ, DJ, like the whole lesson. Somewhere, Simple Kid is having to deal with that from some bratty kids. At 37, we have Brand New with Sick Transit Gloria, Glory Fades. band that my friends were obsessed with i never really understood them their singer was cancelled for allegedly making passes at underage girls 32 last week we had obi trice featuring nate dog with the setup brackets you don't know meanwhile in the hood she's driving around good bitch thinks she in hollywood meantime she's setting the nigga up telling us what the stuff she's ready to get him stuck what thick guys but she full of surprises i swear this bitch is shady that's what i know he was of course eminem's protege his first single got to the top 10 but without that explicit Eminem backing not able to forge a career on his own at 31 the stranglers with big thing coming return of the punk band from the 70s and 80s you may know their songs golden brown no more heroes and peaches much less likely to know big thing coming at 25 junior jack featuring robert smith with da hype weirdly talked about quite a lot on this show a great song but not that interesting apart from if you wanted to hear the least song of the cure go dancey 21 von bondies with come on come on right 
those classic garage rock bands of the era. At 19, Funeral for a Friend with Escape Artist Never Die. tell that to Harry Houdini in his grave so they all dropped out of the top 40 this week but giving them an honourable mention because it is our aim here to talk about every song that charted in the 2000s in the UK so there we go and we are now moving on to this week's chart 20 years ago new entries from The Strokes Fat Man Scoop Stereophonics and Sam and Mark as in the kids TV presenters and Pop Idol finalists all of those coming up also Ronan Keating if that wasn't enough to inflame your loins will any of them have what it takes to knock last week's number one off the top spot which was the second week of LMC versus U2's Take Me to the Clouds Above well let's find out as we head into this week's top 40 20 years ago with at number 40 Jameson featuring Angel Blue and CK with Take Control into this song recently anyone who's been looking through my windows in recent weeks may have seen me chacharring to the ay 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 bit that's it it's third week down from 26 by the way take control a great song but not enough to propel their album very far this week 20 years ago his album think on your feet charted at 42 and that was the end of jameson's career really and at 39 in its fourth week down from 22 hit that by the offspring a song i'm embarrassed to admit now i was very into in 2004 i'm now you could say much more of an ay 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 than a oi 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 so 38 the first of our 13 new entries this week is the rapture with love is all This song, a big favourite of Enemy at the time, who gave it a rapturous, uh, to see what I did there, because they're called the Rapture, review. It's too long, so I'm going to get a handy AI voice to read it for you. Desperately hoping that these AI voices aren't copyright protected. If so, I guess I'll see you in court. It's got accordions in it, and in the pantheon of great rock instruments, the accordion is ignominiously wedged between the zither and the piccolo. It's got falsetto vocals pitched about seven octaves higher than Justin Hawkins, and we had hitherto agreed that, when it comes to falsettos, Justin is about as falsetto as we are willing to falsetto. And yo, we falsetto on the regular. It's got a drummer who wakes up halfway through the song, realises that he hasn't been earning his money and so decides that he needs to hit a cowbell really hard and really often for the remaining 77 seconds. And at the end, when all is said and done and the cake can be iced no more, somebody decides to leather a great big gong, for no other reason than that they can. Or, to put it another way, so much more insouciantly brilliant than everything else this week that the temptation is to represent this week's singles not as a series of reviews, but as a rudimentary drawing of the rapture thumbing their noses at the rest of pop from atop a very high plinth. 
The chiming guitar riffs are so simple that a child could write them but probably wouldn't, opting to attempt something a little more complex and experimental instead, and it's all faintly preposterous, but when Luke Jenner squeals, I, well I dig love and just having you around, I, your heart will nearly burst through your chest and you will spend the last 60 seconds of this neatly distilled rapture, yes, I know that's the name of the band, but it also happens to be the only apposite word. Attempting to pogo over the moon, grinning like a complete fuckwit, like the moment you fall in love extended over 154 delirious seconds. I have to say I'm not so keen on this song, I think it sounds like a song by The Who that was kind of half finished, like Pete Townsend got about halfway and then he was like, nah sod it, I've got guitars to smash, I can't be bothered to finish this song. The Rapture of course best known as part of the New York indie scene at the time, alongside the Yeah Yeah Yeahs, Interpol and The Strokes, who will also be featuring on this chart, although much higher up, which tells you everything you need to know about the hierarchy of the New York indie scene. But The Rapture were not always an indie band in New York. In fact, their bass player used to live in San Francisco until his house was burnt down by drug dealers, at which point he decided to move to Seattle and signed to the legendary record label Sub Pop, of course, the previous record label of Nirvana. That bass player told the Village Voice, and of course, let's remember, these are Americans. He lived he lived across the street from the project. Yeah, by the way, every American outside I do is just New York Valley girl. He lived across the street from the projects in San Francisco, and his landlord had told on the local drug dealers across the street. The drug dealers tied up his landlord in the basement and lit the whole house on fire with her in it, tied to a chair. He came home one day, the whole apartment's gone, his cat's burned up. All his stuff is burned up. He knew all these people in Seattle. Modest Mouse, a lot of people up there. So yeah, quite a dramatic story there. Of course, the band would then leave Seattle. I don't think there's any evidence that was due to another arson attack and land in New York. Although they would have arguably more success in the UK. It was a big year for them in 2003 and four. Two big years. They opened for the reunited Sex Pistols around this time. Their album was named the second best album of the year in 2003 by Enemy, just behind White Stripes Elephant. And they would tour with Franz Ferdinand in 2004. But basically, they are one of these indie bands who have one song that they become extremely well known for and then everything else doesn't do as well their song being house of jealous lovers which we talked about last year and nothing really lives up to that song especially because it takes them three years to release what is basically their second album their second album pieces of the people we love takes three years classic difficult second album and they're never really able to recover the momentum they had in 2004 which is a problem that we'll see a lot of indie bands face that they can only kind of have huge success with one song just off the top of my head i'm thinking of the gossip who never really are able to match the success of Standing in the Way of Control. So this will be a common theme as we head into the indie side of the 2000s. The Rapture will have one more top 40 hit in 2006 from that difficult second album. And if The Rapture sound familiar to you, but you're not sure why, it may be because their song Echoes was featured as the theme tune to the Channel 4 show Misfits. <laughs> I've never seen it, but I know there's certain people my age who are totally obsessed with it. So there you go. That's what you've been listening to all this time. 37 now. This is down from 35 in its seventh week. Another song I've really warmed to. Motorcycle with As The Rush Comes. Motorcycle, still a ridiculous name, but quite a good song. Shame they never had another top 40 hit, really. 36, we talked about the White Stripes earlier. Here is Joss Stone covering one of their songs with Fell in Love with a Boy. He's in love with the world. 
sometimes these feelings can be so misleading He turns and says that you are right Oh, I must be fine cause my heart's still beating At 35, we have our second new entry This is Holiday Inn by Chingy Let me chillin' at the Holiday Inn Me and my peeps, won't you bring four of your friends Feel on each other and step on some hand One thing leading to another, let the party begin Some of you may remember from his hit from 2003, Right There. That is, of course, how he pronounces the word there in his song. We, of course, named him the King of Rhyme because of how he basically mangled so many words to rhyme with there, including turning mayor into myrrh. Girl, why you do that right there? It's so bad, I'm constantly getting calls from the myrrh. Less genius rhyming in this song, Holiday Inn, his second five UK top 40s, although his chart career will be over in the UK by September of 2004. Chingy, by the way, is named Harold Earl Bailey Jr. That's his government name, born in St. Louis, the same city that brought us Nelly. And in fact, the Holiday Inn of the title of this song is specifically the St. Louis Airport Hotel Holiday Inn. Apparently you can find it by taking Highway 270 to Natural Bridge Road if you're in St. Louis and want to do a pilgrimage to the Holiday Inn, which apparently Chingy told Entertainment Weekly a lot of people still do. Apparently at the time he asked Holiday Inn if they wanted to collaborate with him and they turned him down. He said of this in an Entertainment Weekly interview, I think that was probably their loss. Well, I'm not going to say their loss. They capitalised just in a different way. To this day, people stay at the Holiday Inn just based off that song. The reason that he decided to pay tribute to the St. Louis Holiday Inn in his song, by the way, is because apparently he used to party a lot there back in the day. This is the same interview he said, Back in my teenage days and 20s, we'd have hotel parties, drinking, smoking, doing what teenagers do, leading to chilling at the Holiday Inn, becoming a phrase that he used to say, which he then put into this song. By the way, doing my due diligence, I had to check out the reviews for the St. Louis Holiday Inn to see if it could live up to the song. Found this review, this is from September 2023. It says, local police say not to stay in this hotel. That's in capital letters in bold. Wrote this review a few days ago, it disappeared. Had cars stolen out of the lot while staying there. Four separate police officers said that this is a hotel with known security issues they have tried to adjust with management and that management just does not care. After trying to file an incident report, I believe than 100%. Met two other guests during the stay that were also victims of the crime in the parking lot on different nights. Management has told me that it isn't their problem or responsibility, but based on my convos with local police, this is a pattern of negligence leading to a very unsafe environment. Do not stay. So that person didn't have a good experience, but it should be said that other people did. In general, this, I don't want to get sued by Holiday Inn, basically. This on hotel on TripAdvisor has a average four-star rating. Here is a sample positive review from Princess Keela. That's her username. April 2023. Nice stay! Exclamation mark. The hotel was easy to access and had plenty of parking. The hotel and our room were clean. Breakfast area was stocked while our first day, but limited the second day. I think they were short-staffed. Pancake machine was broken. Beds were comfortable and there were enough towels for all four of us in the room. Dove products in the shower and bathroom area was nice. Nice. So there you go. Any chingy pilgrimage goers will be, hopefully, that will reflect their experience. Of course, this is not the only rap song featuring the Holiday Inn. This led me to Google the phrase, why are rappers obsessed with Holiday Inn? As I wrote, why are rappers? Google gave me plenty of autocomplete options. Why are rappers called Lil? Why are rappers so skinny? Why are rappers in gangs? And why are rappers called rappers? Of course, none of those were my questions, so I continued writing it. Why are rappers obsessed with? And then Google gave me the autocomplete options, jewelry and money. No, no, Google. I want to know why are rappers obsessed with Holiday Inn? Here are just a few examples of that, by the way. Motel, 
Kelly booked the room at the Holiday Inn. Matchbox and pins from the Holiday Inn. Put the matches in your purse, say Holiday Inn. TLC, Fat Joe, Big Daddy Kane, Pitbull, all of course paying tribute to the Holiday Inn, as did the Sugar Hill Gang, which might explain why they're all so obsessed with it. That last could be heard from their seminal early rap song, Rapper's Delight which gave us the refrain Hotel Motel Holiday Inn, inspiring a legion of rap people in the future to want to pay tribute to those early rappers. Although maybe Chingy just really liked hanging around in the St. Louis Holiday Inn, even if the pancake machine was broken. So that's at number 35, and here are the rest of the 30s for you. 34, Breathe Don't Stop by Mr. Ron versus Jungle Brothers. Troubles away, so be easy and relax yourself. And just shake your ass because it's good for your health. Breathe, don't stop. Come on, let's make it hot. Breathe. Don't stop. Come on, let's make it hot. Breathe. Don't stop. A song that will come up a little bit later in this episode is all I'm going to say. How's that for building suspense? 33, Me, Myself and I by Beyonce in its fifth week down from 29. Thirty-two and it's third week down from sixteen. God is a DJ by Pink. Thirty-one and it's ninth week. So doing very well despite the fact it only peaked at number twelve. Feeling fine by Ultra Beat. That's good enough for me. At 30, another song that's doing incredibly well in this chart, despite the fact it only made the bottom of the top 10. At 30, staying firm from 30, last week in its ninth week, Too Lost in You by the Sugar Babes. to be their third biggest selling song of all time but fingers crossed for this new album that they may be doing hopefully that may be able to give them another big hit so that's the 30s let's look ahead at some of the things we have further up in this episode careful mothers out there you're about to get a little moist in the wedding region as my mum never called it. Ronan Keating is back with She Believes In Me. So far, he has had nine hit singles as a solo artist, all of which have made the top 10. He's had three number ones, and his last number one was in 2002. So he will be hoping to add to those three with his new song, She Believes In Me. In case you wonder what it sounds like, the answer is... And she believes in me like every other Ronan Keating song. By the way, Ronan Keating is doing, in 2024, one of the most insane pieces of Spawn I've ever seen, so very excited to talk about that, as well as his very weird solo career. It really is the battle of the middle of the road men this week, though, and there are two more who have teamed up to try and take on Ronan. They are Sam Nixon and Mark Rhodes, better known as Sam and Mark. They came second and third in Pop Idol 2003. Michelle McManus, of course, 
The winner got to number one. Will the combined powers of the two people she beat be able to match her with their cover of the Beatles with a little help from my friends? That song has previously at this point been number one twice, although never for the Beatles. They didn't release it as a single. So will it be at the third time lucky for with a little help from my friends? We will find out. Also gunning for that big spot trying to knock off LMC versus U2 is Stereophonics with Movie Star. Movie Star. This was a song they released onto their website in a demo version to their fans and it had such a positive reaction that they released it as a single but will the general public embrace it as much as the Stereophonics fans? We'll find out. One last big contender this week to note though, Fatman Scoop and the Crooklyn Clan with It Takes Scoop. The last Fatman Scoop song of course was Be Faithful that got to number one. Will he be able to match it with his second single or will he, like so many slightly novelty acts before him, implode with the second single? Well we'll find out as we go on but now let's head into the 20s with at 29 Comfortably Numb by the Scissor Sisters. album by the way which as i mentioned before i proudly bought and played to death entered the top 40 albums chart last week at number 11 so you might not a great placement it's at 20 this week in a month's time it'll be out of the top 40 altogether but then makes an awesome comeback in april it goes back into the top 10 and then it stays in the top 40 until July when it will reach number one. Spends four weeks at number one, non-consecutively, two weeks in July, one in January 2005 and one in February 2005 will go on to spend 92 weeks in the top 40. Of course, the slow building of the Scissor Sisters popularity in the UK leading to their first single from their second album, Tada, I Don't Feel Like Dancing, getting to number one. But we'll talk about that in a few years. For now, we're going to talk about our next new entry at 28.45 RPM by a little young indie band called the Poppy Fields. Well, I say young indie band, this was actually somewhat of a, some would say publicity stunt, some people would say marketing satire. The Poppy Fields, a fascinating story actually. So it's January 2004 and the press are sent various versions of a song by a band called The Poppy Fields by titled 45 RPM. This band is in the press releases. It says they are a group of young teenagers making indie rock music of the kind that was very cool at this time. This led to them getting picked up by Radio 1 DJs like Mark and Lard and Steve Lamack, big tastemakers of the time. They got lots of reviews calling the Poppy Fields this new upcoming exciting band and HMV and Virgin Branches were selling out of the single but it turned out that this band was not real. In fact it was the return of a band of 40 something hard rockers called The Alarm. Basically this band's lead singer detected some ageism in the record industry and so decided to teach them a lesson by showing them how much they were obsessed with youth by basically releasing a song that they'd written and basically saying look if this was the comeback single by the alarm none of you would give a shit but because we pretended it was by a load of young people even though it's exactly the same song you were really excited by it 
I guess you could say that it was somewhat successful, although it only hitting 28 didn't quite make his point the way he wanted to. The lead singer of The Alarm, Mike Peters, by the way, said in an interview at the time, and they are Welsh, so get ready for this one. We thought we had nothing to lose. If we had put out a single by The Alarm, there would have been a negative feeling, because whether record company executives and music journalists admit it or not, image is rated far higher than the music nowadays. I hope we proved a valid point. Why must new music necessarily have to be made by two new bands? I'm 44. That was a bit Irish, wasn't it? But writing new songs as fresh and as vibrant as anything I've ever done? Oh dear. In Britain, we're too quick to want to find the next big thing. If you're over 35, you'll just miss us over the hill, said The Alarm's Mike Peters. By the way, to to really sell this stunt, they even filmed a music video in which they got a young Chester band who were all around 18 years old called The Wayriders to mime to the song. By the way, in case you have no idea who The Alarm are, and I had to say I didn't, they were a Welsh rock band who had most of their hits in the 80s, working as the support act for U2 and Bob Dylan in the 80s. They had eight UK Top 40 singles, their peak being 68 Guns in September 1983, which got to number 17. <laughs> So they may have thought that they made their point here by pretending to be a young band, but this point, they may have proved it too well because they released their next single under their own name that was called New Home, New Life, released in July 2004, and it only got to number 45. So they may have proved that the record industry is obsessed with youth, but they couldn't stop the record industries being obsessed with youth. And in fact, customers being obsessed with youth when they were like, oh yeah, we'll buy this single by this 18-year-old band, but oh, now we know they're all 40, no thank you. They will have one more top 40 as the alarm though, with Super Channel in February 2006. So all is not lost for the Poppy Fields or the alarm. Definitely winning the award for Stunt Queens of the Week. They are at 28 and at 27, Harder to Breathe by Maroon 5, down from 18 in its fourth week on the chart. Just pipped to number 26 by in its fifth week, down from 13, Take Me Out by Franz Ferdinand. You are doing or screwing things up inside my head You should know better, you never listen to what I said Putting your pillow and writhing in the niggas way Hoping somebody someday will do your life This week, 20 years ago, Franz Ferdinand released their debut album, Franz Ferdinand. Of course, it will go on to win the 2004 Mercury Prize. But this week, debuting at number three behind Call of the Search by Katie Melua. And this week's new entry at the top of the album charts at number one, Feels Like Home by Nora Jones. The second Nora Jones album, lighting up dinner parties everywhere. Number three, by the way, will be the highest the Franz Ferdinand album ever charts, although it will spend 13 weeks in the top 10 and 55 in the top 40. So not a slouch by any means. So why this band of guitar-toting men is doing very well. Another similar group plateauing at the 20s. Here is our next new entry, The Stands, with Here She Comes Again. Here she comes again Mopping off the fever from your brow If only she'd believe you when you say that you're the one To keep her satisfied She just says you're making too much noise This is the first time the stands are making it into the top 30. Their previous singles, When This River Rolls Over You, got to 32 in August 2003. 
and I Need You got to 35 in October 2003. This, by the way, will be their peak. They will never get any higher than 25, although they will have one more top 40 with the song Do It Like You Like that come out in May 2005 and will be the first single from their bizarrely named second album, Horse Fabulous. That would be my drag name, by the way. Of course, the stands, we've talked about them before. They are part of the Liverpool indie scene at the moment. You can tell because of the nasal quality to their voice. Although, it had to be said that this is a lot less nasal than some of their other songs. It may be why it's their highest charting. This is a six on the nasalometer, I would say, as opposed to their usual eight. But certainly, it's no coincidence that of the Liverpool indie scene bands, the stands, the bandits, the coral and the zootons, it's no coincidence that the coral and the zootons are the least nasal and the most successful. Although the stands must be pretty pissed off. They were like, fair enough, we don't mind being behind the coral but now the Zootons have just swanned in with their first single getting to the top 20 where we are working very hard and peaking at 25 and that's kind of basically the end of their chance at fame the coral and the Zootons take up all the oxygen of publicity around the scene and the stands are left supporting both of them as they did in series of gigs in 2003 and 2004 this could lead some of you to feel sorry for the stands but I wouldn't at this time they were touring with the Australian band Jet the band who when we last saw them were defending their use of the n-word to the enemy so the fact that they've befriended this band does not speak well for the stands so I'm sorry you have to go as you would sing it so there they are at number 25 not every indie song that came out in 2004 a banger that can match up to take me out at 24 we have last train home by the lost prophets moving swiftly on 23 a former number one in its ninth week michael andrews featuring gary jules with mad world no tomorrow and i find it kind of funny i find it kind of sad the dreams in which i'm dying are the best i've ever this song has now managed to outchart Gary Jules' entire album, which just made the top 40 a few weeks ago and is now nowhere to be seen. In fact, you could say that that album had said to the charts, I think I better leave right now, which, would you believe it, is the title of our number 22 hit, another former number one in its 12th week, of course, from Will Young. Down from 17 there. That nearly takes us to our halfway point. Still to come, songs from The Strokes, Ronan Keating, Sam and Mark, Stereophonics, Fat Man Scoop. And at 21, another new entry, Jagged Edge with Walked Out of Heaven. Feels like I just walked right out of heaven. And my mama told me that if it's meant to be, she'll come back and she'll forgive me. And the best thing I can do is to just let her, let her go I know, I don't wanna do it But if I continue to push, she'll just pull away And I know that in my heart, it's a reality this US soul band, by the way, last seen on the UK Top 40 with their first song in late 2001, a song called Where the Party At. We mentioned Nelly earlier, Chingy's fellow St. Louis resident. He also featured on Where the Party At, helping that song get to number 25. The excellent Chart Watch blog summed up the reaction to this song at the time. Walked Out of Heaven follows the template for most of Jagged Edge's music, slickly produced urban soul with an edge. One listen makes it obvious just why they are deservedly massive stateside but it also shows that they will need a massive international smash to ever be more than a passing interest in this country never has a mid-atlantic sound been so far away from british tastes yeah we're kind of finding that a lot at the moment aren't we there are songs that are 
can make the 20s in the UK whilst being massive smashes in the US. I'm thinking of, well, Chingy, actually, and people like Tyrese, who we talked about last year. Basically perfect for US tastes, but the UK tastes not suiting them. I don't wonder why that is, why those, why the UK and the US have such different tastes. I want to say it's just because our tastes are better, see how country music can't really take off in the UK. But there's probably more interesting things to find out there. So I will look into the difference between the UK and US tastes and get back to you there. But for now, let's talk about Jagged Edge. Interestingly, it's one of the few bands that I've ever heard of that feature identical twin lead singers. Brian and Brandon Casey, by the way, those singers. There are a few other famous bands featuring twins. The Bee Gees, The Breeders, The National, The Proclaimers, and Tegan and Sarah, to name a few. But I think it's only The Proclaimers of those who could claim to be identical twins. So in that way, we can call Jagged Edge The Proclaimers of the US and maybe in that way only. As Chartwatch alluded to, this song doing much better in the US and in fact the band generally doing much better in the US. They had five top 10 albums in the US charts and five top 20 singles. This song peaking here at 21 in the UK but getting to number six in the US and Where the Party At, their song that got to number 25, getting to all the way to number three on the Billboard Hot 100. This song Walked Out Heaven by the way is from their hilariously named album Hard, just simply called Hard. You know, you you pitch a lot of people going into a record shop being like, oh I love that band Jagged Edge, I'm going to go ask to see if they have their latest album. Just walking up to an innocent shop assistant and being like, excuse me, have you got hard? And they're being like, no, (laughs) stop sexually harassing me. I say that they weren't able to have chart success in the UK, Jagged Edge, but technically they have a number one single in the UK in a few years because they are one of the featured artists on the song Nasty Girl, the posthumous number one for the the Notorious B.I.G. that gets number one in 2005 and is weirdly coming up a lot at the moment. I'm not sure why that is. They are on that, that song being... I believe, Notorious B.I.G. featuring P. Diddy, Jagged Edge and Nelly. Although I think Pharrell was probably there because he was, of course, involved in everything around this time. The chorus for Walked Out of Heaven by Jagged Edge, by the way, goes, It feels like I've just walked right out of heaven. It feels like I've damn near thrown my life away. I'm scared just like a child that's lost at seven. Don't know what to do to get right back to you. Have to say, rhyming heaven with seven is some pretty primary school level rhyming shit, isn't it? And so we will leave them to their playground rhyming for now. Maybe we'll talk about them again when Nasty Girl comes out. Although there's so many people involved with that song that I imagine it will be only briefly. So we're going to walk away from Walked Out of Heaven and enter into the teens. But first, at 20 in its third week down from 10, I'll be there by Emma. I love this song. I love this whole album. I'm definitely with those people online who, when Record Store Day revealed that they were releasing the Emma Bunton debut album, were being like, I mean, that's all very well and good, but when are you releasing Free Me? I would love this album on vinyl. I think it would, obviously, it's an album that's inspired so much by the 60s. It makes so much more sense to release it on vinyl, but whatever. So yeah, I've been listening to this song quite a lot recently as I've been getting ready for these podcasts, but unfortunately, it's now created somewhat of an earworm in my head. I don't know any of you out there who watched 30 Rock. If you didn't, what's wrong with you? It's one of the best comedies ever made, but there is a Alec Baldwin's character in that has a mother played by Elaine Stritch, who has a very particular way of saying the phrase, who cares? And now every time I hear Emma Bunton say, who cares, in I'll Be There, I can't help but think of Elaine Stritch. Talking about who cares, at 19, our next new entry, this is the UD Project with Saturday Night. Saturday, no doubt, cause every time I think about you, thoughts go through my mind. 
not a cover of the iconic party dance Wigfield number one single. We have previously talked about the UD project or the underdog project as they were known in Europe. I have already kind of forgotten who they were. Preparing for this podcast, I thought they were the band that did that Barcelona song. That we talked about a few months ago, but that was of course DK and Epsilon. How could you forget? Instead, UD Project are the people who did the song Summer Jam. This ain't nothing but a summer jam. Bronze skin and cinnamon tans, That song, by the way, Summer Jam, got to number one in both of the Belgian Top 50 charts. That is, of course, the Dutch-speaking Flanders Belgium Top 40 and the French-speaking Wallonia Top 50. It also got to number one in the two singles charts in the Netherlands, the single Top 100 and the Dutch Top 40, which is unlike the other one, contains airplay. By the way, the fact that Netherlands and Belgium both have more than one singles chart is this week's 2000 chart show, Fun Chart Fact. Fun Chart Fact. Can't wait for some of you to bore your friends who don't care about pop music by talking about the two Belgian pop charts. By the way, Summer Jam, also number one in countries that don't feel the need to have a confusing number of charts. It was a top five hit in Germany, Hungary and Portugal in 2000, and then in Denmark, France and Romania in 2003. It also managed to be the highest selling song of the entire year in Belgium and the Netherlands. However, they botched the UK release, meaning that Summer Jam peaked at number 14. By the way, another fun fact about the song Summer Jam by the UD Project. At one point, it was on the playlist of every single pop radio station in Germany. I don't know how many that is, but well done to the UD Project. In other territories, this song was actually released before that 2003 version of Summer Jam, here obviously being released after. Not quite being able to match the success of Summer Jam, though. Its peak was number two on the Flanders charts, the Dutch-speaking Belgium single buyers charts, and number nine on the two Dutch charts. A classic example, though, of a dance song that basically replicates their most famous song. By the way, in case you want to know, the UD Project is a collaboration between the Canadian artist Vic Krishna, the Canadian singer Craig Smart, and the Belgian keyboard player AJ Duncan. By the way, AJ Duncan now teaches production at the Academy for Music, Word and Dance in Bornem in Belgium. So if you want to know how to plaster a load of whistling onto a song, that is the best place to learn. Although you would hope if you're going to learn production, you'd want to learn it from someone who can get higher than a 19 chart placement. At 18 now, in its third week, down from 8, Snow Patrol with Run. I'll be right beside you Last week, Snow Patrol's album Final Straw debuted on the album charts, becoming the second highest new entry of the week at number three, beaten by the best of Leanne Rhymes, which was at number two, and another album that my mum owned and made us listen to in the car. Although if I had my way, I would always just skip to Can't Fight the Moonlight. This week, Final Straw by Snow Patrol is at number five. Number three will be the highest it ever charts, although it will chart again at number three in August 2004 because the album charts are weird. Snow Patrol, though, is in a new release sandwich. On the bottom layer, UD Project, a kind of soggy, malted loaf. And on the top, a rough and ready artisan cob. I don't know. A new release at number 17, Reptilia by The Strokes. Last 
last single, 1251, gave them their first top 10. They got to number 7 in October, but this song showing that perhaps the Strokes are going to have their successes in the future in the album charts rather than the singles chart. They will have one more top 10 single, but certainly doing much better on the album charts. However, this given them another top 20 hit, despite the fact that no one can really agree what this song is about. This always leads me to see what the deranged commenters of songmeanings.net have said about a song when I don't know what it's about. Lead comment is a great one, by the way, for Reptilia by the Strokes. It starts, this song isn't about date rape. I hate that people keep insisting that. I then, of course, search for people insisting that the song was about date rape. Couldn't find a single example. Apparently there was a Tumblr thread at one point about how it was about date rape, but that has long since been removed from Tumblr alongside all of the porn. R.I.P. Tumblr. The lyric Reptilia, by the way, does not feature in the song Reptilia by The Strokes, so has led many people to interpret that it's either because reptiles are cold-blooded creatures like the woman that he's talking about in the song. Another songmeanings.net commenter speculating that the song is talking about the reptilian brain, which controls the body's vital functions such as heart rate, breathing, body temperature and balance. The reptilia also apparently is a part of our brain that we share with reptiles, which relates to high level base instincts and emotions, implying that Julian Casablancas from The Strokes in this song is thinking with this part of his brain and acting on emotion rather than reason. So yeah, Strokes fans everywhere can't really agree what this song is all about, which could have been avoided if they'd given it the original title that they were playing with for this song, which was Room on Fire, which of course ends up being the name of this second album, the follow-up to their beloved debut is this it this was the last song to be added to that album by the way usually when there's a song added late to an album it's because they've delivered the album to the record label and they've been like mm, this is great but could you give us a single if that was the case with this song it hasn't really worked because this is their lowest charting song since their debut single back in february 2001 and in general the strokes were in a little bit of trouble at this point not really their fault but their first album was so rapturously received the enemy have called it the best album of the 2000s currently on besteveralbums.net one of my favorite sites it is called the 24th best album of all time so therefore any follow-up that they brought out was going to be compared to that probably negatively and so it was with Room on Fire although they didn't help matters I have to say originally they were working with the Radiohead's producer did I just call them the Radiohead like I'm 100 there terrible Radiohead's producer Nigel Godrich who wanted to give it a kind of more of an ambient sound which the band didn't like in classic creative differences style they fired him and then rehired the producer for their first album which then of course led to them making an album that was exactly like the first album but worse which is a classic difficult second album thing although some bands have got away with that not naming any names Arctic Monkeys it did not work for the Strokes meaning this second album had a much more mixed reception than their first in fact recently the BBC put it on a list of seven acclaimed albums that no one listens to anymore they said of the album the initial wave of relief that the Strokes hadn't squandered all their potential by doing something risky would in the years to come be replaced by a nagging frustration that they'd perhaps played it too safe meanwhile Alexis Petridis one of the best pop writers out there wrote in the Guardian the Strokes the band depicted on their arrival in 2001 as the living embodiment of swearing, brawling, intoxicated rock and roll spirit come across as heroically dull. And this is kind of, I think, my problem I've always had with The Strokes. I think fundamentally being in a rock band should be fun and you should look like you're enjoying it, whereas The Strokes always seem to be completely miserable. Obviously, some people read this as like, oh yeah, New York, cool. Oh, I'm so impressed that they don't give a shit about anything. But we love enthusiasm here on the 2000s chart show. So I've never really had time for The Strokes, despite liking a few of their songs. But the singles chart buying public much more happy with The Strokes. They will have three more UK Top 40s, including a top five hit, which will be their highest charting song in a few years time.
But for now, we'll leave the room on fire. Hopefully not the same room on fire as the Rapture. Hopefully this room on fire was not set by angry drug dealers. And we will move on to 16. The only song that entered the chart last week that is still in the chart was at number 6 last week. Now is at number 16 in its second week. Here for One by Blazing Squad. PCs here spitting in the river, getting ready to take over now and never let's go, let's flow, this is how we roll, let's get this party jumping to the end of the night, let's take control, let's the night the way, up and away we go, crazy the way T plays click, got more to come, my own flows to run, this party ain't begun, let's just keep on rocking out, what's the love? Sadly, and get ready for some sad news here, this is the last ever single by the full Blazing Squad to make the top 40. So you could say, here for one, more like, (laughs) here for one last single. Although, if I was going to put money on one artist who Emerald Fennell will give the saltburn treatment in the future, it would probably be Blazing Squad. Get ready to hear Flip Reverse in the BAFTAs in like 2026. So yeah, what happened to Blazing Squad? They were doing very well. Of course, their last song, Flip Reverse, a number two hit, but they were dropped from their record label in April 2004 after their album, Now or Never, went to number 37. A classic pop story we've talked about a lot. Bad album sales are the kiss of death when it comes to most artists. Although Blazing Squad, it did seem that maybe they would break this trend because their first album only got to number 33 and they still got to make a second one but you can't have two flop albums in a row it seems and blazing squad are out however they will forever be in the list of artists who got a number one single because their song crossroads got to number one in august 2002 here for one by the way comes out after blazing squad included a new member who was called Jamzy. Feel very sorry for him. Very much the Jade Ewan of men joining a band just as they're falling apart. I'd love to give you the Jamzy, the same treatment I've given the other Blazing Squad boys and give you loads of random facts about them. But sadly, the British Library is still fucked. And so I haven't been able to get out the smash hits and enemies that I'm desperate to read. So we'll have to know absolutely nothing about Jamzy because there is almost nothing about him on Google. So yeah, that's sad. Sad the last time I'm going to talk about Blazing Squad. We've spent so many minutes talking about them we've shared so many useless facts number one kenzie was nearly killed by a block of ice about four years ago a huge bang woke me up kenzie said a block of ice had crashed through my roof near my bedroom it was dropped by a passing airplane i almost died number two strider has diced with death too when strider broke his leg at school he was carted off to the local hospital during a tricky operation to have pins inserted into it he nearly snuffed it because he was allergic to the anesthetic the poor lamb that was the smash hits writers editorializing there not mine number three they're loaded long before crossroads came out the squad had signed a 500,000 thousand pound record contract which was split between them i spent most of it on close said freak sporting an 800 pound avirex jacket i'm not sure they are loaded they only made fifty thousand pounds a piece for their record deal which presumably was three albums so that's about 20 grand a year a respectable wage for 2003 but hardly loaded thank you smash hits i'd ring into your editor's office if you still had one number four crazy thinks it's 2001 he also thinks crazy spelt with a k so maybe not the smartest tool in the shed crazy still uses his 2001 jlo calendar i know it's out of date but she looks really fit in it he says and number five germans love them the squad are massive in germany which is why they keep jetting off there german girls are mad notes her flavor so there you go five fascinating facts about 
However, those of you who are crying into your Blazing Squad embroidered hankies, they just say BS. This is not last time we will talk about all the members of Blazing Squad because after the full band breaks up, Strider, Flavor and Kenzie are signed to a new record deal as Friday Hill will have a top five hit with Baby Goodbye in October 2005. So Strider, Flavor and Kenzie get to chart another day. Chart. Blazing Squad may be here for one, but we are here for number 15 this week in its 11th week on the chart. Another song that has real staying power on the chart despite only just making the top 10. Closest Thing to Crazy by Katie Melua. Closest thing to crazy I have ever been Feeling 22 Acting 17 that album has just spent three weeks at the top of the UK Top 40, although it has dropped down to number two this week. Talking about the closest thing to crazy, at 14, Ozzy Osbourne. His duet with Kelly Osbourne changes. That's in its 10th week, of course, a former number one single, the third former number one single actually on this chart really does speak to how good December 2003 was for number one. So why not listen to all those episodes? Wink. Talking of 2003 episodes, someone who dominated the 2003 was Sean Paul and here he is staying strong at number 13, down from nine in his sixth week, his duet with Sasha, I'm Still In Love With You. Hurtling towards the top 10, but first, two new singles back to back. Starting with At 12, Speedway with Can't Turn Back. They can't turn back, but they can fall down the chart. Their first single got to number 10. Here they are at number 12. Chart Watch at the time said, if they don't have another top 10 hit this year, then that will be the biggest injustice of all. Well, sorry Chart Watch and sorry Lamar, because there is injustice in the world. Their next single will stall at number 31. Their album will go to number 42, and then Speedway are done. Never again will they reach the top 10. Of course, the song they got to number 10 with was their mashup of Hard to Explain by The Strokes and Christian Regulera's Genie in a Bottle. We can't criticise them too much for basically recording a mashup in the early 2000s. Sugar Babes got to number one with it, Liberty X got to top five, and even elsewhere in this chart, here they are again. Mr. Ron and the Jungle Brothers are doing exactly the same thing. But you can only get away with it, I think, if your own songs are able to match up with the covers you do. Liberty X and Sugar Babes released songs that were just as good as Being Nobody and Freak Like Me, but Speedway not able to with their second single. By the way, the Speedway are a Scottish pop rock group made up of Jill Jackson, Jim DeGuid, 
I believe it is, D-U-G-U-I-D, plus Tom Swan and Dan Sells. Dan Sells, I think we mentioned last time we talked about this band, goes on to be the lead singer of The Feeling and then the creator of the musical Everybody's Talking About Jamie, in which everybody's talking about Jamie! I find that if anyone mentions that, that musical on a podcast any time, they have to do it like that. So who am I to go against it? kind of feel sorry a little bit for Speedway because they were really set up to fail. So they were signed to, I believe, Unique Records. Future note from Sam here, it is innocent records sorry for any offense caused to record label obsessives whose only other major act at the time was the boy band blue which meant that they someone had the bright idea to make speedway the support act for the band blue a totally insane decision because if there's one thing that teeny boppers who love blue had absolutely no time for it was soft rock of the sort that speedway were selling so certainly they were really set up to fail there and it this really reflects the fact that they weren't able to do well as speedway because they were maybe badly marketed but they were able to have hits with their songs for other artists the feeling featuring dan sells of course peak at number seven with their song sewn whereas jim deguid gets to number five with his work with paolo nutini he was the co-writer and collaborator with paolo nutini on the song last request which got to number five in the UK charts and number one in the Scottish charts, of course, Palinatini being Scottish. He also wrote the number four hit Too Close by Alex Clare, which got to number one in Germany, Luxembourg and Russia, all the major pop markets. But none of this they were able to match with Speedway, sadly, leaving them here at number 12 behind our second new entry in a row, Very Corston with Rock Your Body Rock. The second UK top forty hit. For Ferry Corsten, under the Ferry Corsten name, he got to number 29 in June 2002 with his song Punk. Like UD Project's Summer Jam before it, this song was a huge hit in Europe first and is now missing out on the top 10 in the UK. By the way, Ferry Corsten, it seems that Ferry is actually his real name. Maybe he like Brooklyn Beckham before him, was named after where he was conceived. Now, I'm only speculating here, but maybe Rock Your Body Rock is about what it's like trying to have sex while on a P&O ferry from Folkestone to Calais during a storm. That's a thinker. Leave you to think about that one for a second. I say from Folkestone to Calais, but if he was conceived on a ferry, it would be on whatever the Dutch equivalent of that route is. Of course, Ferry Corsten from the Netherlands. In fact, he was born in Rotterdam, a place that I've heard is anywhere, anywhere alone. A joke for 90s music fans there. Because Rotterdam is anywhere, anywhere alone. I say this is the second UK Top 40 hit for Ferry Corsten, but he has had other chart placements under different names, a classic dance act in which they've released a million songs under a million different pseudonyms. His first UK Top 40 came in 1998 when he had a top 15 hit with the song Goryella by the band Goryella, G-O-U-R-Y-E-L-L-A. Goryella had a second hit with Valhalla, which got to number 27 in 1999, and then in 1999 and 2000, he had two hits under the pseudonym System F, Blue and Cry, getting to 14 and 19 respectively in those years. 
he will have one more UK Top 40, by the way, under Ferry Corsten, when his song Fire gets to number 40 in 2006. So not the brightest of UK pop careers, although it was enough to get him the Order of Orange Nassau, which is a civil and military Dutch order of chivalry founded in 4th of April 1892, basically the OBE of the Netherlands for Ferry Corsten there. So he may be considered chivalric in the Netherlands, but not considered a top 10 hitmaker in the UK. How's that for an awkward segue? Into the top 10, we still have songs to come from Stereophonics, Ronan Keating, Sam and Mark, and Fat Man Scoop. But first, our first top 10 hit of the week. Two play featuring Ragav and Juicy with So Confused. Ragav, by the way, his song may still be in the top 10 now, but next week he will release his first solo song, so remains to be seen whether that can beat this song or whether, humiliatingly, his first solo single will chart lower than a song that will have been in the chart by six weeks at that point. I'll leave you in suspense for that next week. But first, our first new entry of the top 10 is Fat Man Scoop and the Crooklyn Clan with It Takes Scoop. Get higher, baby. coming home drunk and trying to prize out ice cream with my bare hands it takes scoop moving swiftly on from that fat man scoop of course born isaac freeman he got his stage name from his uncle jack who would call him fat man scoop because he loved ice cream apparently some people have speculated that he was called fat man scoop because he played a man serving ice cream in the fugees killing me softly video and lauren hill apparently used to say fat man scoop whenever she wanted a large scoop of ice cream although that apparently is an apocryphal story fat man scoop a kind of radio hype man in the u.s basically known for doing exactly what he does here which is just talk over a load of other people's songs specifically the song that he mostly shouts over in it takes scoop is the song it takes two that originally was a hit for rob bass and dj easy rock which got to number 24 in 1988 in the uk singles chart so technically doing better than the original so he's sampling that song which originally was sampled itself from a lynn collins song called think about it which was released in 1972 but if it wasn't enough that fat man scoop was sampling a song that itself was based on a sample his version also contains elements of two chub rock songs treat em right and caught up and of course another iconic early rap song grandmaster flash and melly mel's white lines don't do it everyone's favorite song telling you not to do cocaine by a band who did an absolute fuck ton of cocaine so fat man scoop here able to get a second top 10 hit after his song be faithful got to number one but this is the end of his uk chart career he just simply never releases another song in the uk but still remains somewhat of a minor celebrity in the uk this year 20 years ago 2004 he apparently was a judge on a Channel 4 show called Chances, which saw six British musicians trying to achieve success in the US. There's almost 
nothing about this show online that's made it to 2024 but I can tell you that Jun Sarpong was the narrator and it seems that one of the other judges alongside Fat Man Scoop was Beyonce's estranged father Matthew Knowles. People who guest judged on the show include Shazne Lewis, Wyclef Jean, Miss Dynamite, Kelly Rowland, Ragav, John Legend and Lamar. So actually a starry lineup, none of which were actually able to make this show a success, it seems. But this was not Fat Man Scoop's last time appearing on UK reality TV. In 2015, he appeared on Celebrity Big Brother in their UK versus USA season. How y'all doing out there? Am I talking too stupid? What's up, everybody? This is Fat Man Scoop. I am most well known for the song Be Faithful. Bass drop! Excuse me for spit. Becoming the third housemate to be evicted on that show. Have to say, I love Celebrity Big Brother, but this was the time when I was at my most pretentious. I just left university and considered myself a serious writer, so I couldn't possibly watch any of that trash. Whereas now, I watch all of that trash that I can get. By the way, other people who featured alongside Fat Man Scoop on this Celebrity Big Brother were Gail Porter, Jenna Jameson, the porn star, Janice Dickinson, the model, Chris Ellison, the guy from The Bill, and Natasha Hamilton from Atomic Kitten. The whole thing was won by James Hill off of The Apprentice. What a time to be alive, eh? I say that this was the last song released by Fatman Scoop, but he will feature on two more UK top 10 hits. In July 2005, he appears on Lose Control by Missy Elliott alongside Sierra. They get to number seven. And then in January 2005, Mariah Carey's It's Like That gets to number four. So not quite the last we're hearing of Fatman Scoop. He will shout over more songs in the future. At number eight, in its sixth week, another former number one, all this time by Michelle McManus. means that Sam and Mark have cleared the easiest hurdle, which was beating the sixth week of their pop idol former rivals chart run, but it remains to be seen whether they can get all the way to number one to match her highest chart placement. What I can tell you is they are not at number seven because in its sixth week, that is where boogie pimps are with somebody to love, people continuing to love those parachuting babies. Number six, Hey Ya, in its 14th week on the chart. Ironically, we've spent absolute weeks talking about the fact that, that Hey Ya was going to peak at number three, and then when it finally happened, it was the week where we were on holiday. But last week, Hey Ya finally reaching its peak of number three after 14 weeks on the chart, making it the longest running song on this week's chart. Astounding work for an incredible song. Certainly better than the song that is at number five this week. Another new entry, Stereophonics with Movie Star. Stereophonics 
Minutes will be breathing a sigh of relief that this song got to number five. Their last single, Since I Told You It's Over, only reached number 16 in November last year. So able to reverse their chart fortunes. And this trajectory will continue because their next single will be their first and so far only number one single in the UK. But we will talk about that in the future. For now, let's talk about Movie Star. As I briefly mentioned earlier, this song was originally released as a demo onto the Stereophonics website. And to download this song, what Stereophonics fans could do was send a mobile phone message that cost £1, which would send them a access code which would allow them to download the song in MP3. This is a fascinating era for downloads 2004 basically by the end of the year downloads become part of the uk top 40 and the download era begins fully but at this point artists are desperately trying to find ways to make additional sales in this download era basically this week 20 years ago there was some leaked data that revealed that the singles charts were basically fucked which how exciting that i have seven more years of this show to do despite that fact basically sales were down year on year 2003 the first year for years not to have a million selling single this year 2004 we'll have the number one that has the lowest ever sales. So things are really dire. And so record labels desperate to find ways to reverse those fortunes. One of those seems to be trying to get people to buy songs via people's websites. Stereophonics never revealed how much money they made from this ruse. I say ruse, it's not like it was a con, they really did send people this song. But certainly there was such demand for that demo from their website that they decided to release a full version of the song. By the way, before we move on, I'm incredibly nostalgic for the era where you would text and then get sent a song. Like I don't know what ha- what happened to that, what happened to ringtones, he says, suddenly appearing to be about 80 years old. So yeah, originally this song had been deemed not good enough to feature on their album you've got to go there to come back. Well, actually, there is some questioning over that. Some people say that it was considered not good enough. Some people say that it was recorded too late to feature on the album, although quite why you'd continue recording once the album was coming out, I don't know. But basically, if that was the case and it was rejected from the album, Stereophonics made a bad mistake because it was just as popular as the first two releases from that album, Madam Helga, which got to number four, and Maybe Tomorrow, which got to number three. The fact that this was recorded first as part of the album recordings, but now was released as the last single from it, means that it has an interesting place in Stereophonics history. Last time we talked about Stereophonics, we mentioned that they fired their drummer Stuart Cable for basically being a bit crazy. But the fact that he recorded this song means that this is the only song in which he recorded the drums, but the music video features their new drummer miming his part. That drummer, by the way, called Steve Gorman. If you want to know the full story about how the Stereophonics fired their drummer, listen back to our 22nd of November episode, by the way. Ding! But this song, let's talk a little bit more about Movie Star. This song basically saying that a woman is so great that she's like a movie star. A pretty standard sentiment for a song. Or so I thought, until I found this interview with the Stereophonics in which they compare themselves to Coldplay. This is like competition between you three, honestly. Is it all yes. quite Coldplay are winning. <laughs> we hate them. No, they're a very good band. Very good albums. Mm. But they are winning. They are winning in uh, in America, which I think is very good. What we need to do is we all need to find a very famous movie star for a bird, shank a bit of shit out of her, and then hopefully we can scoot up the charts, you know. To the fact that, could this song be about Chris Martin and Gwyneth Paltrow? Maybe. It's not, but it's certainly a fun coincidence that he was talking about movie stars with slight disdain, comparing himself to Coldplay, and then released a song called Movie Star. 
by the way, Stereophonics, of course, an iconic Welsh band they are. They grew Kelly Stewart and Richard from Stereophonics grew up in a former coal mining pit village near Aberdare in South Wales called Quamarman, which apparently, this is from a BBC Wales documentary called The Road Up is the Worst, has some of the steepest hills in the United Kingdom. So get ready for the best joke in this episode. Being from such a steep place probably helped them <laughs> climb up the charts. <laughs> Thanks. Would you believe that I don't have any writers for this show? It's all all me. I'm ready for calls from Life at the Apollo any time. Although their next song will be their only number one single, by the way, it will also be the last of their 11 top 10 singles, their peaks being Maybe Tomorrow, which we mentioned got to number three earlier in this episode, and also The Bartender and the Thief, which got to number three in November 1998. But this song peaking at number five behind in its sixth week, still in the top five, but not for much longer. Milkshake by Khalees. Number three now, we have last week's number one, which means we will be getting a new number one this week. Although, will it be Ronan Keating or Sam and Mark? Who knows? And what a depressing statement. Anyway, in its third week at number three, here is Take Me to the Clouds Above by LMC versus U2. We have Ronan Keating and Sam and Mark. And seeing as Sam and Mark, of course, are iconic pop idol contestants, let's introduce a little bit of pop idol dramatic pause. The moment the nation has been waiting for, we have the results. Well, well done, guys, both of you. You've both done tremendously well. And it's been very, very, very close. Best of luck to the pair of you. Okay, guys. The winner is Sam and Mark with a little help from my friends, which means that at number two, we have a new entry, She Believes, brackets, In Me by Ronan Keating. And I hold her tight And she Watch said of this song, there seems to be no slowing down of Ronan's chart prospects in spite of the fact that he abandoned all pretense of being a pop star some time ago and now is content to churn out drippy country remakes to what is doubtless still an adoring audience of Radio 2 listeners. As Chart Watch says there, this is a country and western cover of a country and western song, She Believes in Me, originally recorded by Steve Gibb and then made popular by Kenny Rogers in 1979. And she got that song to number 42 in April 1979. So Ronan Keating doing much better. 
better with it. The fact that Renan Keaton gets it to number two, by the way, gives him his biggest chart hit since May 2002, when If Tomorrow Never Comes got to number one, giving Renan Keating his third number one hit. She Believes in Me, meanwhile, is his 10th solo single and his 10th song to get into the top 10. Those 10 singles, by the way, are When You Say Nothing At All, number one in 99, Life Is A Roller Coaster, number one in 2000, The Way You Make Me Feel, number six, 2000, Loving Each Day, number two, 2001, If Tomorrow Never Comes, number one, 2002, I Love It When We Do, number five, in 2002 we've got tonight featuring lulu that got to number four in 2002 and then in 2003 he released the long goodbye which got to number three and lost for words which got to number nine so very impressive although ronan's incredible chart run continues for four more songs all of his singles will continue to get into the top 10 until 2006 when his bizarre cover of the song Iris by the Goo Goo Dolls misses out in the top 10 in 2006. Ronan Keating, by the way, features on nine separate number ones because he has three as a solo artist and six with the band Boyzone. They are words, a different beat, all that I need, no matter what, when the going gets tough and you needed me, meaning that he features on the same amount of number ones as ABBA. So I'm sure that Ronan Voyage is coming up very soon to a purpose-built stadium near you. If that wasn't enough, by the way, Ronan Keating's also sung for the Pope twice, which is two more times than I have. Fun fact. You, But you may be thinking, yourself yeah it's pretty impressive that he had all those top 10 hits but how hard is it to be an attractive nice guy who sings songs for mothers and grannies well you can say that but he's actually made a series of clever career moves so he continues his top 10 chart run and then the year after his first song misses the top 10 he's like uh oh the writing's on the wall for my solo career i'll rejoin boyzone so then he makes a fortune touring with a reformed boyzone in 2009 he co-wrote the danish eurovision entry called believe again it was 13th in that year's Eurovision. And then when he can't make any more money from Boyzone or writing Eurovision, he does what any 2000s pop star would love to do and spends five years as a judge on X Factor Australia, which really does raise the question, why does every international version of the X Factor have the most bizarre lineup of judges? Among the judges that featured on the X Factor Australia, Ronan Keating, as we've said, Natalie Imbruglia, makes sense, a Australian icon. Natalie Bassingthwaite, best known in the UK as the lead singer of the Rogue Traders, who had a hit with Voodoo Child. Mel B, obviously appeared on the UK X Factor. Danny Minogue also. But then Red Foo from LMFAO. Imagine being told about talent by Red Foo by LMFAO. You'd be just be physically sick, wouldn't you? James Blunt, Chris Isaac, who had a hit with Wicked Game. The Girls Aloud version, by the way, I have not heard yet. Will have heard it by the time we talk about Girls Aloud next time on this chart. Also featuring on the Australian X-Factor, by the way, Iggy Azalea and Adam Lambert. So quite an insane lineup. Oh, and also the one of the main judges in the first ever season of the X-Factor Australia was John Reed, best known as the manager of Elton John, who Elton John was shagging, played by John Madden in the film Rocketman. Now, however, Ronan Keaton seems to be trapped in the reality TV judging world, as well as X-Factor Australia. He did The Voice Australia. He was part of the lineup that we've talked a lot about that featured Jesse J, Delta Goodrum, the two Maddens from Good Charlotte and Ronan Keating. And now he does The Voice Kids UK, where he judges alongside Will I Am, Pixie Lot, and Danny from McFly. By the way, the McFly first single is coming very soon to this chart. And he also does The Voice Germany, where he is alongside two of Tokyo Hotel and some German people I've never heard of. In standard The Voice fashion, by the way, there was reports last year that he was in a feud with the Tokyo Hotel boys. A source told the son, Tom and Bill from Tokyo Hotel, thought Ronan had been acting badly during filming and it really annoyed them. They're all very competitive about the acts and they want the right people to turn the chair for them. Apparently they called Ronan Keating bitchy, which is very funny to think about. Although you have to be sceptical about that because it seems that basically the only way that marketers know how to market The Voice because it is a fundamentally flawed programme is by making us watch because we want to think that all of the judges despise each other. Although can you imagine Tokyo Hotel and Ronan Keating have anything in common? 
So it is more believable than some of the rumours that we hear. If that wasn't enough money that Ronan Keating was making, by the way, of course, he does, I believe, a Magic FM show, which is very popular among exactly the mums and grannies that he's targeted for his entire career. Although the mums that were once mums are now the grannies, and the grannies are the great grannies, such is the longevity of his career. If that wasn't all weird enough, he also is the new face of Tesco Mobile, which have made him change his name on Twitter to Roaming Keating, celebrating their low roaming prices or something. Good afternoon, madam. Oh, that smile on your face lets me know that you need to hear from us here at Tesco Mobile. <laughs> Hello there, I'm Roaming Keating, Tesco Mobile's new roaming ambassador. I'm gonna be roaming Tesco Mobile stores to let customers know there are no roaming fees till 2025 in 48 destinations in the EU and beyond. Yeah. So the name? O-O. No, no, Roaming Keating. Oh. Basically, what they're getting Roland Keating to do is go to random Tesco's and work at the mobile store surprising people. Now, in my day job, I do a lot of brainstorm meetings for social media content. And I can tell you that basically every time you haven't got any ideas for something, you just start doing puns on the name of it. And so I can see exactly the meeting that would lead them to go from roaming charges to Ronan Keating. But hey, Ronan, make your money, even if it's in the most humiliating way possible. Talking about humiliations, he has been humiliated in this week's chart 20 years ago by this week's number one, Sam and Mark, with their cover of With A Little Help For My Friends. Of course, track two on the Beatles' seminal Sgt Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. I'm not one of those millennials who think the Beatles are overrated, although I'm not the biggest fan of this song, especially none of its cover versions. Joe Cocker got to number one with this song in the 60s, and then in 1988, it was number one again when the band Wet 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 recorded their version in aid of Childline. So this is the third time the song with a little help from my friends is at number one. But that, by the way, is not the song that has been number one the most times. The song that holds that record is the song Unchained Melody, which coincidentally, of course, was a number one hit for last year's pop idol runner-up, Gareth Gates. Also in another weird coincidence, it is the first Beatles song to top the charts since The Long and Winding Road gave Will Young and Gareth Gates their, I think, fourth and th third number one respectively and so all of these pop idol acts very linked in lots of weird ways so sam and mark are basically the coalition government of pop music in the semi-finals of pop idol michelle mcmanus got 41.3 percent of the votes whereas mark got 33.6 percent and sam 26 percent so in total they get 59.6 percent of the votes and therefore get to form a pop government okay that metaphor went away with me there a little bit but anyway this was obviously the ploy of the record label they were like mm, to make it look like we're not really a flop rather than just like rely on the charisma of mark to beat michelle we'll just team up sam and mark and hopefully we'll be able to match her they didn't quite succeed michelle mcmanus sold 117,000 copies of her single in its first week whereas they have only managed 42,000 sales and they will only be at number one for one week as opposed to three though they will both manage exactly the same length of pop career which is two songs both of their second singles will peak in the teens later in the year however of course sam and mark have had the last laugh because they have managed a very successful pivot into kids TV, both of them winning two BAFTAs for their work on, on CBBC, although they start as presenters of Top of the Pots Reloaded alongside Fern Cotton before, in 2006, becoming the host of the Saturday BBC morning show TMI alongside Caroline Flack, that, of course, being the replacement for the iconic Dick and Dom in the Bungalow. So kids TV's benefit is to the detriment of the charts, although this is a awful number one, so maybe it's best that they use their talents elsewhere. But congratulations to Sam and Mark for this week's number one 20 years ago. And congratulations Congratulations to you for making it all the way through this episode. Hope you enjoyed it. I certainly always enjoy talking about these charts, even if the great bangers of 2004 are still a few weeks away. Although next week, 
we will see whether such luminaries as Clear, Alex Parks, Keen or Busted are able to stop Sam and Mark from getting to number one. So join us next week. Please recommend the show to any pop maniacs out there. Listen to the Girls Aloud What Will the Neighbours Say Deluxe Edition, even if I have not had quite the time to do so yet. And come back next week to see if Sam and Mark can get a little more help from their friends and get another week at number one. first song misses the top 10 he's like uh oh the writing's on the wall for my solo career i'll rejo rejoin boat boat <laughs> i'll rejoin boat <laughs> oh god i'll rejoin boy zone